You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. It's a holiday week, but we are not taking time off. Dedicated to the hustle, dedicated to the game, dedicated to winning. Week in, week out, we put in the work. That's right. This is music to your ears, or it should be. We got a full slate here at the Mini Market Podcast for this Thanksgiving week. Yeah, the boys are back in town. We have myself, your boy Zayerman, joined by your boys Dalton, Lucas, and Connor. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We got a full, full podcast today, and we're going to kick it off with something fun. Just a little something fun for the listeners. And yeah, Thanksgiving's over. The turkey's been eaten. I just finished off my mashed potato leftovers today. They're gone. They're done. So that you know what that means. Yeah, I was watching The Grinch last night. It's Christmas season. So we're starting it off with Lucas's favorite holiday song. It's Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. And now for legal reasons, we can't actually play any part of this song. But the question that we're going to answer is, what is your favorite part of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You? And we'll kick it off with our boy Lou. What's your favorite part of that song? All right. It doesn't take long for me to get into the spirit once I've heard the song. And my favorite part comes pretty early on in the song as well. Uh, kind of right as the beat starts picking up, we're about to go into the lyrics. You hear the drums. Just right like that. You all know what I'm talking about. Go give it a listen if you don't. Go give it a listen. I That sprung it in my ears. That sounded spot on. We had basically the musical ensemble a uh, special guest today after that, Lou. Thank you. Essentially, essentially the instrumental version, yeah. right? There. Yeah. And I think legally we're allowed to do that. So we're okay. We'll, we'll talk to our lawyers. Uh, we're going to throw it to our often aloof member, Dalton Matson. What's your favorite part of that song? <laughs> aloof. Aloof. Well, <laughs> shots fired. It's good to be back. You know, like a good holiday party. We've got a full house here. So let's see. I like the part when she hits with the all I want for Christmas is you. And then she goes, you, yeah, baby. It's a good one. Fired up. That's a good, good part. It's a good part, too. Love that. Okay. Connor, I'll have you cap it. What was your favorite part of this song? What gets your juices flowing for the holiday season? I like, I'm going with some lyrical stuff. I like when she talks about waiting underneath the mistletoe for him. That's very seductive. Um, Ooh. Watch yourself. You like to Big kiss. kiss guy. <laughs> Huge lips person. So, yeah, just, you know, I would just love to see Mariah Carey under, under a mistletoe. Just wouldn't be the worst place to run into her. Oh, what would be the worst Happen place there. to run into her? Mm. I would say a gap. I think she can lay a smack down on some people. <laughs> All right. We'll transition I'm thinking, there. I'm thinking the paint. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, she body down low. Okay, uh, we will move on from that. Um, I think you guys touched on pretty much all my favorites. Mine is the same as Lucas for anybody who cares. Uh, okay, Crickets. we're going to go to season is over, right? Season's over. Vikings lose to the 49ers in San Francisco on Sunday by a final score of 26 to 34. I'll start it here, folks. My question to the group is, does this count as a one score game? Eight points. Is that a one-score game? Yep. Technically, got to keep the narrative going. You know, I think the NFL rigged it where the Vikings will only lose the entire season by pretty much one-score games. I think there maybe was one. No. Might be off. I I did a little quick research, I think. Every 10 out of the 11 games the Vikings have played this season, if we're counting this one, have been one-score games. The only one that wasn't was the Seattle blowout. Skull. Dalton, you think it's not. What's your take? If you have to put it in the end zone twice, it's not one score. Oh, interesting. 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 So if you score a touchdown and kick a field goal, one score game? Exactly. 
It's only in the end zone just one passed time. through the end zone, didn't so go in the end by zone. 15, you could just kick five field goals, no end zones, zero score game. You win, I think. Because you never put it in the end zone. Never. No. I, t- I, I would go one step further and say, like, to Dalton's point, I think if you lose by more than six, it's a two-score game because you had to score twice. Multiple plays. Multiple plays. And Lord knows, PATs are not, not given. given. Not given. In this day and age, neither are fourth downs. Apparently, uh, yikes. Okay. <sighs> we are not going to spend a whole lot of time on this game here for the Mini Market Podcast. We've been very Vikings heavy, and now that we have our dear friend Dalton back, we'd like to talk about the greater world of sports. So we won't dive too deep into it. I just like to get a quick thoughts from our two Vikes guys, big Vikes guys. Lucas, kick us off. What are your just quick feeling about this game? Um, yeah, you know, everyone was saying, you know, close game. We were in it the whole time, but it really didn't feel like it to me. Um, the defense was tough against the run and tough in a bad way. Uh, we were getting eaten up. Jimmy Garoppolo did not look very good. And it felt like a game we should have won had the defense stopped the run a little bit easier. Um, but, you know, it's tough against a, you know, Kyle Shanahan. He's a creative guy. They have some dudes over there. So it was uh, it was a tough battle. Um, and I know Kirk's numbers weren't terrible on paper, but he just didn't look great. He was a little like even a wide open touchdown to Adam Thielen. Thielen made a phenomenal acrobatic catch to stop, dive backwards and and somehow come down with it. Um, And he he was just missing throws. You kind of alluded to it. Like the fourth down was a big one right after the the no PI. And then the one that really stuck into my mind, aside from that Thielen touchdown, was the two-point conversion where Justin Jefferson appeared to be open and Kirk had like a 10 to 15-yard throw that he just like had the arm of a five-year-old or something and like just forgot to throw it or something. And like that's a throw he should be able to make in his sleep based on the performances he's put on this season and yeah he just i mean yeah it was tough no i mean everyone's got their off days yeah unfortunately it it happened this way so you know he definitely looked off and the thing about that one i was just going to call it out is that it seemed like he had jefferson right away in the route it was just one of those quick out routes right around right right parallel to the goal line you just hit him he takes one step towards the pylon he's in kind of the way that the 49ers scored one of their touchdowns yesterday and he just didn't throw it and then he could have run it and then he decides to throw it at his feet i agree cousins did not look comfortable yesterday he didn't look like sharp at all i'm gonna guess too much you know too much uh maybe brandy on thanksgiving he's still a little hungover maybe too much turkey a little too much gravy got into his brains it seeped around in there. Connor, what did you think of the game? Um, yeah, similar opinion. I will, uh, as is tradition, I will dispute one thing Lucas said. Um, the ceiling throw really wasn't that bad. If you watch the full play, it was a broken route. Too. And he was trying to throw him open. And Thielen started going towards the defender. And in, and honestly, that was a good pass by Kirk, is to throw away from the defender. It was just Thielen turned the wrong way. And so overall, that one wasn't a big deal. But there was the the last play of the game, essentially, that slant where he just like threw it a, too far away. Like that's something he hits, you know, 99 times out of 100. And he, I agree. I think he was just off. There was a lot of throws and instead of hitting the guy in the chest, he's going down to get or they're over their heads. And it was just weird. A little turkey hangover for him there. But my big takeaway was uh, I just hated how the coaches handled the game. I thought it was just. I thought the players did okay. We didn't really do anything exceptional, but our coaches really put us in a hard spot to win. So that was frustrating. Hard spot to win. Dalton, what did you think of the officiating in this game? That was kind of the takeaway on Twitter. Couldn't tell you. Here's my new take on the Vikings. <laughs> you only win Super Bowls if you have a QB who's good enough to win a Super Bowl. I don't think the Vikings have a QB who's good enough to win the Super Bowl. And I don't think he's going to develop into one. So I'm, I'm just going to watch when it's convenient. Otherwise, have my Sundays free. Wow. wow. Disagree, by the way. Eli Manning says otherwise. You need a defensive line good enough Ooh, to win Super a Super Bowl. Bowl. Okay. Um, moving on <laughs> to our first segment of the Vikings, we are going with 
the happy, crappy, happy segment. This one's always good after a loss. Um, just a way to keep positive here in, in Skull Nation. Uh, even though Dalton doesn't want to be, we're going we're gonna to try to stay uplifting. We're going to stay positive. Um, we're going to, you know, we're going to find the good and the bad. And now the mini market serving you a happy, crappy, happy sandwich. We'll start with Connor. Give us your happy, crappy, happy sandwich. All righty. For my happy, crappy, happy sandwich, um, I'm going to start it off with um, Adam Thielen. I thought he had a really fun game. First time in his career, if you saw that stat, that he had two touchdowns in the uh, first half. Really surprising stat, to be honest. Like From a guy who his shtick kind of is like getting touchdowns, like he's such such good hands. He's a really good red zone threat. I was kind of surprised by that a little bit, but it was exciting, you know, happy for him to get two touchdowns. Made a really good play to uh, on that on that pass that kind of was behind him, like I was talking about, or about turning the wrong way. So that was great. My crappy, I alluded to it in the first part there. The coaching. I thought it was really bad. I thought Zimmer's time management was horrible. I felt like right before the end of the first half, we had him third and nine with a minute and five seconds on the clock. We have three timeouts. And we just choose not to use him, which I thought was bizarre. Third and nine. Likely, they're going to kick a field goal. Let's call a timeout. Stop the clock with as much time left. Instead, we run it down. We let the clock run. They take a timeout with like 37 seconds left. Get the first down. Then we take a timeout. Stupid. And then they score on the next play, only leaving us with like 18 seconds. Like the whole, essentially to me, football is just becoming what you do in the last two minutes. Like it doesn't really, the rest of the games feels like it doesn't matter. It just goes back and forth. It flows. And then like you actually win in the last two minutes of each half. Cause like they get a touchdown, they kick off. We have a great return and we still can't get into scoring position because we didn't leave ourselves any time. Like what's the point? What were we doing essentially? And then, and then the same thing kind of happened at the end of the game. We just like weren't there. Play calling was goofy. Formations were goofy. Kirk was under the guard. That was hilarious. But ultimately, that play was a scrap, anyways, because our wide receivers weren't lined up right. So, like, I don't know what's going on there. But in general, I felt like time management was horrible. The challenge, losing the challenge in the second half, hurt us a lot. And I understand it's a fair challenge. But like at this stage of the game, Challenges should almost always be one, right? Like people are up in the booth more than likely watching these replays. Okay. Like, right? I hope so. Did you I saw I saw one replay I thinking, and I didn't see the ball touch the ground. Neither did I. It I seemed, like seemed like I a clear catch. Seemed like a clear catch. Down was I thought that felt like that nose down like sat on the ground. So I was like, oh, that's a no catch. And I was mm. kind of like, why did we challenge that? Mm. But maybe maybe it was a fair challenge, but it was still wrong. So it was just unfortunate result. Maybe it was the right idea. But that really hurt us in the long term by not 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 having that timeout. So I don't know. Overall, I didn't love the coaching. And my other happy is I don't know, and I'm gonna butcher the name, but in Wagwu, the uh, kick returner for the Vikings, what an electric show. This guy's had has one kick return for a touchdown earlier this year and had a couple electric returns. Um, don't always love him taking it out from deep in the end zone, but uh, he's kind of fun to watch. A former Iowa State running back, so rookie this year. So I think he had a good game. Fun to watch again. Nothing quite like the electricity of a good return man. It's it's a uh, it's rare, but it's fun. I think that's what makes it so fun. I'll go next, and then we'll toss it to our boy Lou to end it. Um, my first happy was that Alexander Madison scored. Oh yeah. Love that from the back. Everyone's excited about yeah, that. Connor, Mike, put your shirt back on. Leads, yeah. leads back into my crappy, which is that Dalvin Cook got hurt and is out for the rest of the season. Torn labrum. So that's a bummer. Um, Should we pause and let Connor take a victory lap for five or six minutes? Wouldn't feel right. I never want to see somebody get hurt, um, but I wish he was making less money on the bench. Ho. Okay. All right. Uh, and then my final happy is, uh, that was mean Connor. 
He's hurt right Is there now. anyone you'd you're like to, to see talk. get hurt? You're not allowed to talk about him. Yes, yeah, it was always A-Rod when I was younger. Um, but now, no, not A-Rod. Just to confirm our savior. A-Rod, no. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I would. J-Butt? Mm, no. No, because then he gets an excuse. I don't uh-huh. want excuses That's for fair. him. I want him That's to get fair. beat and everyone to hate him for the terrible person that he is. Okay. Um, here's a fun, this is my happy and it's a weird happy. So before the game, the Vikings, things were going really well for the Vikings in terms of their playoff picture as a five and five team. They were 538 had them listed at their like playoff probability percentage or whatever was 59% going into the game. Um, and it had risen kind of a lot before they started because of these losses from like a couple of the teams, including the Eagles. Uh, and with a win, they would have been an 82% chance to make the playoffs. I'm interested. After week 11. Um, they didn't. Obviously, they lost. And oh, I checked what? it today, and they're at 50% chance to make the playoffs. And I'm personally, I'm kind of happy about that. That doesn't feel as bad as I thought. It's a coin toss right now. And that fits the narrative of the whole season. It's been a coin toss all year for every single game. All these one-score games. 10 of them, we confirmed. And uh, so now to have them feel like 50-50 shot, they make the playoffs, they don't. I'm kind of happy with that. Living the dream. So I will toss it to Lou for his happy, crappy, happy sandwich. Um, yeah, so mine comes in the second half. Um, after giving up three straight scores, the offense does actually not roll over and die after with a three and out. They actually put together a nice drive. Um, to kind of answer and slow the bleeding a little bit and kind of get back in the game. So that was, um, it was great. I mean, it was classic Vikings fashion, just take away the hope and then just claw back into it just enough, but no. Um, and my crappy is a pretty, pretty specific play in the game. It was, uh, right at the end of the half, we have them like third and, Third and really long, I'm pretty sure. They try like a double reverse pass trick play. We sniff it out. We get them for a big loss. And Patrick Peterson has a brutal holding penalty to give them the first down. And, of course, they march right down the field, get a touchdown at the end of the half. The defense looks like it's about to finally get a stop in under two minutes, and it just crumbles. Uh, So that was a tough one. Um, And then my last one, last happy, same as Connor, Kenny Nwangwu. Love to see it. I mean, we've kind of been lucky with some pretty sweet returners in Minnesota with uh, Cordero Patterson and Marcus Sherrill in the punt game. Percy Harvin. Um, Percy Harvin, too. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, nice to see that kind of legacy continue with some, some spark from a, a, a practice squad guy a couple weeks ago. He's got some fire in him. I love it. Some serious fire. Can I slide Those in are... at the end of the line? Yeah. Go for it, Dolph. Let's get it. closed? A... Hey, no. Guess what? It's 8.50. We still got 10 minutes, man. What do you want? The worst. Show up right at the end of the, the day. The salami's still fresh, my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, grab your oars, baby. Happy. Go. <laughs> Beach of Badgers. Get that axe. Only the second time since 2004. I didn't realize how, how brutal it's been recently. But big win. Happy, happy, happy. Yeah, that's kind of a spin zone piece, though, because then you d- you could also do the second time since 2019. So, hey, oh, wow, I, I guess like I'm a Debbie Downer. Better. Yeah, all right, all right, crappy, my optimism. Now, uh, <laughs> okay, uh, crappy Tanner Morgan coming back for his sixth year. Yeah, just kind of a downer. Like, dude, you've had your time. Like, you've you've won your games. Let someone else play you don't have to be a 29 year old senior sixth year that was just kind of a bummer yeah two quarterbacks already entered the portal today for the gophers Boy, Dalt, you are just not a minnesota qb fan not a kirk guy you i think you might hate tanner morgan more than anyone on the face of the earth <laughs> tanner morgan's like a pre is like kind of justified but it's funny because it's the exact opposite reason right like kirk puts up numbers doesn't win Morgan wins, just doesn't put up numbers. So you really just, I guess, moral of the story, you can't make 
Dalton happy. I would rather have that Kirk on the Gophers and just dominate oh. college oh. and then put Tanner Morgan <laughs> on the Vikes and just tank, baby. What do you think Kirk would dominate a college defense? <laughs> it's not even a debate. We can't even that would be so disrespectful to have that debate. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't think he could cut it, cut it, cut it the podcast. Actual yeah, debate. Would the Gophers win the national title? Do they have Mo Ibrahim in this scenario? No. It's Some the exact him. season plays out, but it's with Kirk. Ah, I'm just he saying, just doesn't have that big I'm game you, mentality. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give him the Big Ten championship, but I don't know if I can lose give Ohio him State somehow. Uh, no, I think they'd win the Big Ten. I think they'd probably go to the college football playoff, but I don't know if they'd win. The, the thing is, like, is, one of the best. Well, the off- Alabama defense is a line. professional defense. So. No Bulldogs yeah. defense, Lou. Whatever. Yeah. Stop same. resting on your laurels. <laughs> we have one of the best offensive lines in the country. If more. Ibrahim is healthy, like one of the best running backs. Our receiving core seems like it's solid. The real problem would be is like, I don't know if we can stop anyone that's that good. You know what I mean? Like our defense isn't bad, but I don't think we're stopping Georgia ever. So like we have one fumble or one turnover, we lose the game. So I would say no in a realistic sense, but I think we'd win the Big Ten. What? <laughs> You guys, we said we weren't going to do this debate. <laughs> a professional quarterback, he's like a top five quarterback in the NFL right now. You don't think we could win yeah, a national championship? Point. We were one game away from being in the Big Ten championship, i.e., two games away from being in the playoff. I don't think that's how that works, but I think Connor's point is it's a team game. Mm. Would no Kirk team win the has Heisman? a good defense, he fucking better. Um, I think the problem is, is you like almost have to be a dual threat quarterback to win the Heisman. Now it feels like true. You have to, if you throw for like ten thousand yards, he can run it. We saw that one that scramble. Mike um, okay, we're running off the rails here. Thanks, Dalton. Bring it in. Thanks, Dalton. Happy, last happy, glad to be back. <laughs> we're and that's oh, a happy for the podcast. Happy we're really happy to have you yeah, back. Happy for Welcome him. back, Dalton. Part of my crappy. Um, I had a question for you, Dalton, about the Tanner Morgan thing before we kind of divulged into randomness um what why do you think pj fleck was talking in his ear like yeah come back come back you'll play or do you think he kind of like sprung it on him like hey i'm going for my masters i'm gonna just come back and play and do you think they should move on or are we gonna see a jump because they always talk in the nfl there's the fifth year jump Derek carr had it uh, so maybe Tanner Morgan will have six. Tanner Morgan's jump. like twelve years overdue for the fifth year jump. All of a sudden, he just breaks out. What I mean, what do you think that conversation was like? And it, he's been underwhelming for most part of his career. Why do you think we that a smart guy like PJ Fleck would want him back? Is he just that good of a leader or something? I don't know. Yeah, I think he's just PJ's guy. Like he decommitted from Morgan, decommitted from Western Michigan, committed at the U without ever seeing campus because he was. PJ Flex recruit and he just wanted to play for Fleck. And I think as a coach, you're in kind of a tough spot because you want to be like you want to have your players' backs. And so you don't want to like abandon one guy because then that's hard. That sort of hurts you on the recruiting trail down the road of like, I've always got my players' backs, but then I abandon a guy after like five years. So it's kind of, he's it puts Fleck in a tough spot. Um, of course, we're kind of we're it's all conjecture because we don't know, but I would yeah. guess it was a big win over Wisconsin riding high, emotional, thinking, okay, you know, I, I believe in myself. I, Tanner Morgan, we have a good team. Like, I'm going to come back and we're going to do it next year. We're going to win the Big Ten West. But I don't know. It's a bummer as a fan. Just a bummer. The quarterback. Uh, yeah. So I was just going to say, Tanner Morgan, the new Perry Ellis of college football. Wow. That's a the deep new, cut. The new Perry yeah. Ellis. Yeah, for all those Jayhawks fans listening it's all over. rock chalk um, I remember they were underwhelming so that's good alright we will move on final bit of Vikings talk we're going to do our island segment island boys we are some boys. island boys island boys <laughs> <laughs> only four weeks late to that one for the group way to go guys I've got we're a really good Michael Phelps face meme that I'm going to tweet out this week also timely <laughs> Stay tuned. Yep. Get, if you haven't already, turn on your Twitter notifications for us. 
That's at Tell Them Sports. Okay. Island segment for those who don't remember, we vote off the worst player of the week from the island, the Vikings Island. Um, Breland, Westbrook, Herndon, Hill, Udo, Kubiak, Mason Cole, our previous swimmers. Uh, and then we also give kudos to who Bro. we thought was the best player of the week. So we will start here with Lucas, who is your swimmer. The backup linemen are quivering right uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> the backup everyone. Everyone's on the chat. Chuck- Chuck- right, Applebee's. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I wanted to I wanted Udo gone again. He had a really tough week. Um, but he's already out there. So if he could go another, you know, another league away, that'd be fine. We sent him off um, the island. Now Lou would like to harpoon him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, because my first option's not there, um, I think I, I think I've got to put Kirk on the block. Like I said, 20 for 32, not horrible, not very good interception. 32.8 QBR is what did it for me. And uh, as we mentioned, not sharp. So I don't know if there was a much better option, but Kirk's my guy this week. You lucked out. Oli Udo, already off. Connor, thoughts? Patrick Peterson. Um, he had, he played stupid all game. He got back. He was basically holding on like half of the routes that I saw. So he got called a couple times. He didn't really make any good defensive plays. And then to boot, he gets that 15-yard penalty called on Harrison Smith because he won't stop talking to like, like, dude, just play football. And then he gets popped. So then Harrison Smith comes to his defense and gets a 15-yarder. I don't blame that guy. You're just being a teammate at that point. I don't even think it should have been called. But like Patrick Peterson hurt our team in a lot of different ways this week. And so I'm down on him. I didn't think he played that well. Honestly, I feel like this this year he's been like solid most of the year, but I just felt like he was kind of a dud this week. He couldn't tackle in open space. He couldn't get off blocks from receivers to make plays. It was like, come on, man. Like I felt like all those Debo Samuels runs, like he was just getting blown back by Ayuk, who's like 5'11 and like one set, which is the perfect build for a podcaster. Thank but you. for Thank you. someone good else, save. that would be, huh? be great. I don't know. I just felt like Patrick Peterson played horribly, in my opinion, and I will never vote for Kirk off the island because he he's still Kirk. Like he threw one interception, and people are mad. Like, can you think back to like the T Jack days? That would only his third of the year. Might might we add? What's that? Said only his third of the year too. Yeah, and we're not taking into account other games, but still, like, threw one pick, threw a couple tutties, but he just he wasn't sharp, and that's true. Yeah, that's a tough one because I think if Kirk had played kind of the way he's been playing all year, we win this game. They're the Vikings win this game. So that's why it's kind of easy to call pick on him because we kind of know what the Vikings are at this point. Like their defense is going to let up touchdowns in under two minutes. They're not going to like hold the team way down. They're going to run the ball okay, but it's largely going to fall on a lot of it's going to fall on Kirk's shoulders to be really efficient and effective. You see what happens when he isn't, you know, it just looks weird, but. I I personally I agree with you Connor. I think that Peterson was too emotional for this game. Like he was too revved up and it it didn't match weirdly the energy of the game. Like he was out of control in that sense. I just watched the Ron Artest documentary, The Malice at the Palace and it's sometimes it's like you can be too worked up. It's it's it, even if it's your thing. Like I think it's part of Patrick Peterson's game. Is it? It's like Patrick Beverly too. Like he talks shit. He plays really hard. Like that's just the way he plays the game. But sometimes it goes too far, and you're not doing it in an effective way. And I think yesterday was a good example of that for Peterson, where he wasn't really like focused because he was too caught up in doing all this other stuff. And I think he's of the school of cornerbacks who's like. I'm going to hold on every play. They won't call it every play. So he, you know, like he he gets away with it a lot of the times because it's like, all right, well, if I'm a ref and I call this every single time, like this ruins the entire NFL. Like there's kind of that thing to it, but I agree with you. I think he was a little bit out of control. Um, Dalton, do you, uh, do you have any thoughts on who we should be voting off the Island here? I'm never a Kirk guy, but Connor sold me on the, the P2 or P7 or whatever he calls himself. Uh, seems like he had a rough one. Lucas wants a rebuttal. Nope, nope. I would just want to say I agree. 
He's a good pick too. He was my crappy. Um, that one play was like the worst thing that stuck in my mind from the game. But I will say I was hoping it would be Kirk just because he, I think, and now that Dalvin Cook is out for the season, I was going to say, watch out, Kirk, if he would have gone today. But Alexander Madison may be our first guy to come back. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. It's exciting stuff. We'll have to yeah. stay tuned. I'm but for now, we vote off Alexander Madison. Devastating. That would be tough. That's why I don't miss podcasts anymore. I don't want that bullshit happening again. <laughs> it's gone the next time you're on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If he even has a down tick, gone, baby. Uh, all right. Uh, and then we'll give, it, or we'll give our MVP of the game, who was the best player of the game. Connor, we'll start with you this time. Dylan. Period. Boom. Dalton. MVP of my Thanksgiving plate was the. There are a couple. There are a couple. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I had some mean Brussels sprouts. God. Oh. Wow. Love that. I knew you were going to say that. Can we move on? Okay, Lucas, who was your MVP? Adam Thielen. Can we cut belts, Mike? All right, amazing. Uh, clean sweep for Brussels sprouts. All right. We are going to move on there from uh, Vikings talk. It's been real. It's been fun. Connor, do you want to say it? Is the season over? Yeah, season's over. I season's was mentally over. telling myself every time we had a positive play. I was like, it doesn't matter. Season's over. Doesn't matter. Season's over. Season's Does over. not matter. Season's over. Okay. Well, agree to disagree. 50-50 shot that it's not over. <laughs> this is truly... Glass half full, glass half empty kind of thing. All right. We will move into a season that is fully not over. And yeah, folks, we are talking Timberwolves. They are six and one in their last seven games. They had in this last stretch some a five game win streak. First time in forever. They also had some huge wins over the Miami Heat. And the Philadelphia 76ers, which I found out my sister-in-law did not know was even a real team. Just found that out yesterday for her. So that's exciting. Um, we can always be learning in this world. Um, got some fun defensive hustle stats for you on the Timberwolves. They lead the league in offensive rebounding at almost 14 a game. Got to give a lot of that credit to V8, Jared Vanderbilt. They are top three in steals per game, 93 Got to give a lot of that credit to Anthony Edwards, who said he was going to have two steals a game this year. And so far, he is delivering with exactly two steals a game. They are also top three in blocks, number two in blocks, with 6.3 per game. Um, Dalton, what are you seeing from the Wolves lately that you're liking or maybe what you're not liking? I like how aggressively they play defense. Like I think all of those stats point to an aggressive team. You watch them, they're making deflections. You watch, they foul like wild. I mean, against the 76ers, Crazy. Joel Embiid almost, the whole front court almost fouled out. Cat fouled out, Vanderbilt fouled out. I think McDaniels had five or six fouls and Nas Reed had five fouls. Like, this it, is my Yeah, Lou, you love baby. these guys. It it's truly like the is bad love. boy Pistons yeah. in the Target Center, baby. Hell yeah. Ooh, it's the modern era bad boys and it's led by two skinny muffs. <laughs> Wolves got some bite, boys. Ooh. Yeah, Dalton Bay. I, I left this one out, but they're also top three in uh I think they lead the league in deflections. So it just it just they're kind of a you know riverboat Ron style. They gamble out there on defense. Uh and it's kind of more interesting than any other defense we've seen from the Wolves in a long time. Yeah, they were always really passive. They played a drop scheme where like Cat would sort of sit back in the lane and on pick and rolls, they would sort of let guys come to him. But now they have him up. He's defending guys, cutting guys off. They'll be switched onto guards. And that's what he said he wanted to do. He lost 20 pounds in the offseason to be more nimble. So he's he's sort of living up to, to his end of the bargain. I mean, I think it's a lot of defense is a lot of effort and he wants to be guarding on the perimeter. He didn't want to be sitting back sort of protecting the lane. So he's doing what he wants to do, which then is leading to more positive results. And same for Delo. I mean, Delo has been playing great defense for him. I mean, overall it's just like for slightly him. above Good average. Caveat. It's slightly above average defense, but he was a, and that was the big red flag with him is he's going to score, but he's going to be a sieve defensively, but he's actually been a good point of attack defender this year. And we're seeing it pay off. I mean, they have a top 10 scoring defense and all these fun stats that we can throw out there. 
Yeah, no, he's been active in the passing lanes too, which I always thought is something weird that he hadn't been for so long because he's such an intuitive offensive player. Like he sees the floor really well. Um, so it's like, shouldn't that translate on defense? Like if you, if you can create creative ways to pass the ball and find openings, shouldn't you conversely be able to see where somebody else is going to be trying to create an opportunity for their team? And then you cut it off if you're D'Angelo Russell. Um, and I think we're kind of starting to see that. And it's like, I'm glad you brought up the drop scheme thing because it's like, it's a style of defense that I think requires a very specific mentality of player. Like you need a very, very professional group of players on your team to play a drop scheme and to do it well. Cause it's like you said, it's more passive. It's less energizing. You kind of are like, you're like, it's, it's like almost a prevent like NFL style defense. Like you're like, we're going to give you some stuff, but we're not going to give you everything. It's not going to be glamorous. It's not going to be pretty, but it's going to be effective kind of, maybe that's why it's not a prevent, but whatever. Um, whereas I think this defense that they're playing right now fits so well with the personalities on the team and it and beyond that it energizes the group like this is the most fired up team i've seen they're excited to play defense and it translates into the fan base like it's fun to watch this team again even if they're going to take risks have bad fouls like all of these things that are kind of negative at least they're an entertaining product this year yeah i think like you said it it fits their sort of mindset i think well, when you're playing defense, a good defensive possession doesn't necessarily end in a block or a steal. Like it might be a contest on a shot. And with the drop scheme defense that they used to play, it was very passive where you should really not ever be generating steals or blocks, but they have guys like Anthony Edwards who comes out and says, I want to have two steals a game. Malik Beasley, he wants to you know, have all these steals. He said it like, oh, he looked at the stat line to see how many steals he had. So now we have a defense where guys are more encouraged to get st- steals and it sort of fits the scheme. Whereas before it was sort of like putting the Tasmanian devil in a cage and saying like, just stay back and let the other team make a mistake. We're, well, now we're sort of forcing teams to make mistakes and yeah, maybe we'll you know go from some steals and give up layups or something, but it fits the scheme more and we're going to generate more steals within the scheme of the defense. Yeah. And they need it. I mean, they force a lot of turnovers, but they are a brutal defensive rebounding team. They're bottom three in the league in defensive rebounding. So you can see how that, like we don't have a huge change in who our team is from this year to last year. It's almost identical in terms of personnel. And if you're playing a more passive defense, it heavily relies on you being able to clean up the boards because you can't get teams to miss, especially in the NBA, multiple times in a possession. And they were just as bad as at defensive rebounding last year as they are this year. So if you're not going to be able to stop them and clean up the boards, you're going to have to create turnovers. And so that's what they're doing. And if they could just be average or like a little above average on defensive rebounding, um, this defense would be like nasty, absolutely nasty. And they'd be winning a lot more games, but can't have everything, right? Seven and three in their last 10. I'll take it with the warts. I'll take it. Yes, indeed. Um, So we haven't talked Wolves in a while. A lot of the conversation before this sort of stretch of good play had been largely negative, obviously. They had lost, what was it, six in a row. Um, But it was largely negative, I think, for the first time towards one specific player. That was Carl Anthony Towns. (gasps) Yeah. Um, So Dalton, I'd like to hear your thoughts on sort of some of the negative opinions that were being thrown around about Carl Anthony Towns. So I think it's a fair assessment to say Cat has never been a winning player in Minnesota. He had the one successful year with, with Jimmy, but when he's been, when Cat's been the star of the show, they haven't exactly won. And I, I think if you look at Minnesota players in general, I was thinking about this the other day. If you think about, no, I, this, this goes counter to everything we're talking about. So I don't think I wanted to give this take right now. Never mind. Never mind. This, this He's will... saving that take. That take is going to stay in the drafts, folks. <laughs> you know, what? it might get tweeted out later when he's a little bit turned. <laughs> a little bit loose. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pro cat, pro cat, go cat. So, um, but no, I think, I think, 
he, I mean, he's the, he's the star. They've built this team around him, and I, I think a lot of the blame falls on him. And he lost this weight in the offseason, and he's been rebounding. His rebounding rate's a lot lower than his career average this year. Um, and I, I think when the team starts losing, it's easy to start pointing to him, and he does have his warts. We know he's a really skilled offensive player. He's solid defensively. He's made strides, but you start to say, okay, we've had you for this is your sixth season. What do we have to show for it when you're the main guy? Um, so it's not totally unfounded, the criticisms, but I, I think it was so early in the season, it was maybe a little bit preemptive in that the team's still learning how to play under Chris Finch. They're still learning to play together. So don't sell your Carl Anthony Town stock after 10 games. Yeah, agreed. I think the frustrating part with that is like he's been a guy who's been loyal to our team. He's been loyal to our franchise and to our city through a heck of a lot. Like he's had so many different coaches, multiple GMs. He's only played one of his seasons with another player who's been an all star. And it was that one season with Jimmy Butler. And in the NBA, you can't have one good player. So it it was always frustrating to me when I hear negative talk about Carl Anthony Towns. It's not about Carl Anthony Towns. It's about what you put around him. And I think especially so when you talk about a big man uh, in the NBA, they don't initiate offense. It's just not, it's never been how that works, especially now, even though he is a, he can score on all levels, he's still not going to be dribbling the ball up and running the show. You need to have somebody with them. And I think the guy who has been underperforming and I think which should have been getting a lot more of the flack while it was going towards towns was D'Angelo Russell. He's shooting horribly from three point. Um, he didn't look clean offensively for a long time. He had that great game against the Sixers and we need to see more of that out of him. Just frankly, if, if the wolves are going to be anything, they need more of that from D'Angelo Russell. Um, it, it just frustrated me, frustrating to me to see that it's starting to, it, the tide of hatred was going towards towns because that's how you end up losing one of these players in a small market. Like you got to love them, right? You just have to, yeah. um, if you want to hold on to a long-term. Part of me wonders if it's like the Vikings, Kirk Cousins effect trickling over into other sports of like Kirk, like it or not, he's kind of, he's the face of the Vikes. I mean, your quarterback's always the face of your team and it's he takes so much heat no matter what when they lose. Like it's oh, Kirk could have done this to win the game. And I, I just wonder if that that mindset is now just sort of ingrained in every Minnesota sports fan where it's like uh team's losing, face of the franchise, hate them. Whoever it is, hate them. It's their fault. Be better. That's interesting. Yeah. That's hey, we gotta be more holistic when we view a team. Compete vocally. I like it, Connor. Okay. Um pretty good wolves run here. We got to keep it going. I think they play tonight. They've got some illnesses, potential flu game here against the, uh, the Pacers. Uh, it's, it looks like Vanderbilt and McDaniels might be out. So Oof. it'll be an interesting matchup here tonight for the Timberwolves. Cause I know front court of that Pacers team is always giving us trouble. Uh, and it'll be tough without two of our big men there. More tomorrow um, minutes, maybe. Yeah. You got some yeah, run Nathan, in the Sixers game. That was fun. Yes. Yes. Seriously. That is a, He's an instant fan favorite. I don't know what it is about Minnesotans, but I think it's the Ricky Rubio effect. We just love our little white boy foreigners. Um, Got to have that bushy black hair on the team. All right. We will move on from the Timberwolves to the Minnesota Twins. Have not talked Twins in a long time. Um, they had some news this week. It is the re-signing of Byron Buxton. He signs a, what is it, seven-year, $100 million contract with the Minnesota Twins, which kind of breaks down to around $15 million a year. I would love to get just a quick straw poll of how everybody's feeling about this signing. I'll go first. I've, uh, I've gotten some heat from my previous Byron Buxton takes, but I'd like to throw it back out there. I'm not a Byron Buxton hater. Uh, but I like this deal a lot. Um, good value. Honestly, I don't think they like, I certainly don't think they overpaid him for this, um, especially because um, I love, I like the incentives a lot too. The I've never heard of the MVP one. I don't know if you guys saw this, but he gets like, if he gets first at MVP, he gets 
eight million. Then if he gets second, he gets seven. If he gets third through five or whatever, it's six. And it, it goes all the way down to like ninth or tenth place, which is pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> and then the plate appearance is one. I don't know if you guys saw mm-hmm. that too, but he, he can earn up to, uh, I think it's an extra two and a half mil if he has like 600 and some plate appearances. So um, I like it. It looks good for both sides. Um, obviously, I would prefer if he stays healthy so he can prove me wrong again. Um, yeah, big hater. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I like it. Long story short. Yeah, he likes it. Connor? Yeah, I love it. I think it's a great deal. I think the 15 per year um, salary starting in 2023 is is ideal. I think um, I think that's, that's right where it needs to be. It's going to be a bummer if he gets hurt, but I love how they built in a bunch of incentives um, like Lou talked about. I think those incentives are crucial because if we end up, I think I saw a tweet that, if he meets all the incentives, he can make like an extra $72 million. And somebody's like, that's a lot of money. And I was like, you're an idiot if you wouldn't take that. Because that's like top three in voting. That's playing in or having over whatever 300, 400, whatever it is at bats. It's like, that. I, I sign me up for that. I'm, I'm all in on seeing him play 300 games this next season. Um, so he, I mean, the big one too is like, it, the plate appearance is one. He just has to go up there. Like he doesn't even have to do well per se. Like he just has. Well, obviously he has to do well enough to stay in the majors. But that's good for him. Where right? you had that, Lou? What do you What do you think about right now? <laughs> I need a cleansing from you. Just saying. Take a breath, okay? I, I think the point is, is he's I'm a really baseball player. So if he gets to the plate that much, things should be great. Yes, that's. That's what I'm thinking about it. Lou, I think that's probably how you... I hope he just goes up there without a bat. And as long as he gets to the... <laughs> no, I was thinking about it from Byron's point of view. Byron. There's your... That that one I'm on time with. You know that one? Who's the president? Byron. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Either. Have you ever seen the Canadian <laughs> Border Police video? That also, that's also a good Byron. <laughs> <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. Oh, come to Coney Island, baby. All right, All Dalton, right moving on. What do you think about it? Thumbs way, way, way up. Way up. I'm going to list off some players who make between 14 and $17 million, who made 14 to $17 million last season. Sick brag. Lorenzo Kane, outfielder from Milwaukee. Chris Davis, DH. Crush. Evan Longoria. Eva's wife. We have Dexter Fowler. Murderer. DD, get out of my laboratory. John, John Segura, Elvis Andrews. Isn't he a comedian? Nick Castellanos, Mike Moustakis. Like, if Buxton's, left. Buxton is as valuable as any of these guys if he plays 100 games. Anything on top of that, he's going to be worth way, way, way more. So I'm, I'm saying the big name there is Castellanos had like a good season compared to all those other guys, I feel like. Yeah, there's definitely so, yeah. some value. I mean, I mean, there, I, I did cherry pick a little like there's uh let's see anthony rizzo last year made like 16.5 million anthony. he's watched that yeah traded. like like there are some guys in there who are good but like a lot that two-thirds of the guys i listed are average mlb players like i think buxton has a chance to way outperform and worst case he gets paid his value like i don't i don't really see a scenario where this is a bad bad deal like yes maybe he misses like 150 games it's probably like an old takes exposed i don't see where this how this can go poorly but buxton had more wins above replacement than over half of those guys last year and he played 70 games like like he's just an electric player on the field so i'm pumped i'm fired up twins have a lot of issues that they still have to work out as far as like the pitching staff goes but i think this locks up a dynamic player the kind of player that we are very lucky to get to watch for 162 of a season how many games in the season? Uh, Seventy-eight. Um, <laughs> I I think it, I think it's a good deal too. I just I have trouble with the wins above replacement thing. I think I've talked about it in past podcasts. I think it's a little bit. It doesn't t- it doesn't fully tell the story of an MLB season and like actually trying to win games as a team. Um, and I think part of like with Buxton, if he gets hurt. Like you project out the rest of his season and pretend that he's going to keep playing exactly how he was playing for like when he got hurt. And as we all know, even MVPs have slumps in seasons. So, um, but I think it's a I think it's a perfect perfect deal. 
Um, we look at Harbaugh with Michigan, like he restructured his deal with a ton of incentives just like this. I think that's great. Um, especially if you have a really competitive guy and if you're on the fence about it, like I think it was just a perfect match for both player and team. Um, I was surprised personally to see that he wanted the no trade clause in there so badly. Um, I think that as a Minnesota fan. Yeah, no, for sure. It makes you feel really good about like, it's like weird that he wanted it so badly and that I would, you would always think the team would want that, but it's, it's more of a player thing, but um, yeah. I, was just, I think part of the play, the no trade clause things, he doesn't want to go to a dumper. Yeah. He true. To pick the team he goes to, if he like does Detroit. So I'm less, I'm less excited about that. I think than you guys are. Mm. Okay. Just we'll my, my two cents. It's a PR move. That's all that is. Hey, worked on us. Uh, except for Connor. He is, smartest guy in the room if you're if hey there's that old phrase right connor if if you're the only one who disagrees you're the smartest guy in the room or the dumbest so we'll leave it at that Um, yeah let's let's vote on it i get four votes all right we will move to our final piece of the podcast we are going to do a fun little thing for the minnesota twins I know we have not talked twins for a while, so we're going to give you a good amount of twins content here. Get your Homer hankies out. We're going to win. Twins, we're going to score. We're going to win. Twins, watch that baseball score. Is there anything cornier in sports than the twins song? No, it's amazing. Did Um, all teams have songs back in the day? I think so. I mean, I personally love the Vikes one. It's cool. Uh, Not okay. just the chant. No, the whole song. Right. What's yeah. the song? If I could oh, be your hero, baby. I think that's the Vikes. Okay. You ever heard that, though? Look it up. Look it up. Skull Vikings. That's all it is. Skull Vikings. Let's go. Skull. Uh, okay. I will toss this to Dalton, the creator of this segment, to kick it off. We're going to do kind of a little bit of a, a GM style action here. It's a, a Mick Pick 4 type deal. It's uh, an Arby's 4 for 4. It's something special. Dalton, what do you got for us? We are doing a build-your-own Twins rotation from only 2000s pitchers from the Minnesota Twins. So here's how it goes. You get $15 to build your own five-man starting pitching rotation. There are three pitchers that are worth $5, three pitchers that are worth 4 all the way down to $1. You can allocate your $15 however you want, but you've got to build a five-person starting rotation. And we'll tweet out these uh, dollar amounts. So if you're listening along and you're saying this might be a little tricky to follow along, just check out our Twitter. You'll see the list. You can build your own rotation. Tweet it at us. So... It's an all 2000s rotation. So all these guys pitch for the Twins between 2000 and now. Here are your $5 pitchers. Johan Santana, Jose Barrios, and Brad Radke. Your $4 pitchers. Francisco Liriano, Kenta Maeda, Kyle Gibson. Your $3 pitchers. You have Carl Pavano, Phil Hughes, and old Carlos Silva. Remember him? Sinker baller, 74-pitch complete game. Love that guy. $2. Kevin Slowey, Irvin Santana, and Kyle Loesch. Smell baseball. And then the $1 bin, Nick Blackburn, Scott Diamond, and Boof Bonzer. I love that you call it the the $1 bin. Like we're going to grab uh, DVDs from (laughs) Target. Black Friday. Here we go. Okay, I'm going to run through it again really quickly. $5 bin. Johan, Barrios, Radke. $4 bin. Liriano, Maeda, Gibson. $3. Pavano, Hughes, Silva. $2. Slowey, Irvin Santana, Kyle Loesch. $1. Nick Blackburn, Scott Diamond, Boof Bonzer. You got to build your five man rotation with $15. I want to hear your rotations. Hunter, you want to kick it off? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess I'll just, sorry. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll go first here. 
I'm going to just lay it on you and explain it afterwards. So I'm going Johan, Lariano, Maeda, Blackburn, Diamond. So the reason I did that is because I think that rotation is getting me to the playoffs. And once I'm in the playoffs, I'm rolling three heavy. So this is this is early 2000s baseball I'm looking at here. We're rolling three pitchers. I'm not digging into the fourth, guys. So I want three that I think can give me a chance to win while still filling out my $15. So I think Santana is the most obvious lock on this entire list. Um, I think that he is the best pitcher out of any of these guys, so you got to go with him. Um, I think Peak Liriano is a stud. Maeda, two years ago, if I'm getting that Maeda, and I'm granted this whole thing is based on who knows what you're going to get, right? Like, this is baseball. But if I'm getting top-end talent from these guys, we're going to have a real nice situation there. And we're just hoping that Scott Diamond and Blackburn keep the ball in the yard at that point. So we win two-thirds of our games. Things are looking up. Or three-fifths of our games, things are looking up. That's why that's my rotation right there, and I will take that to the ALCS at least. Wow. Oh, it means winning a game. Nice. Bingo. I think Johan was on the mound for the last Twins playoff win. He'll be on there for the next one if I'm the GM. Lou? All righty. Um, <clears throat> so, a little bit similar to start off. I got to go Johan and Liriano. Uh, then I'm going to take Carl Pavano. The mustache. Irvin Santana and Boof Bonzer. So my reasoning cool. here. I knew you'd take Booth. <laughs> I put him on there just for you. Come on, thank you, thank you. That thank was you. quick. Mate. All right, so Johan Connor's right, probably the best guy on this list. Um, saw a lot of Liriano growing up too. Um, he was kind of the ace after Santana, or he tried to be at least. Um, then we get to the next few guys: Carl Pavano, Irvin Santana. Both felt like guys that were brought in to be the ace and they kind of were kind of weren't, you know? So, you know, now I got four aces if I'm looking at it. Right. And then, <laughs> and then we got, you know, call back to the old, uh, podiums and names, Booth bonds are all time favorite name. So got to have him on there. You need a guy on the team. I believe I've said this before that you can do the booth where you're not Oof. sure if they're booing him or chanting his name, or whatever. So The games are too simple if, if the fans aren't confused by what other fans are saying. Mm-hmm. It's boring otherwise. Yeah, It's baseball. Mm-hmm. That game's dead. So yeah, four aces and a booth. Tough to beat. <laughs> Tough to beat. That's a good $15 bargain. Yeah. Who'd have thought you could get four aces? <laughs> and a boof. And a boof. All right, I'll go next. I'm going dual aces here. I'm going Johan and Barrios for 10 bucks. And then I'm going Carl Pavano with Blackburn and Diamond. Kind of a similar idea as Connor. I think I can go Santana Brios in a playoff series. That's that's four wins right there. Four. And then uh, Pavano, just steady, 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 steady. Blackburn ground Love ball pitcher. Man. Love that. Scott Diamond, cross your fingers. That's that's a game seven. Anything can happen scenario right there. Boom. Truly. I think that team, that, that staff could win some games, though. I think once you get to the playoffs, if you, you can just ride a couple guys. And I think Johan and Barrios, they're like, give me the ball, baby. Let's go. But I just want to. It also could go, go horribly wrong. Barrios is like, I'll give it back to you after three and a half innings. Yeah. You said four That's wins wrong. with two guys. <laughs> That's uh... <laughs> one who can't get through a lineup for the third time. Hey, I mean, Madison go Bumgarner got, got three wins in a seven game series himself. So two guys, four he wins. Pitches. The whole game. Yeah, these guys oh, aren't all Jack Morris. Barrios is a baby. This this isn't the first time somebody's compared Barrios to Baumgartner. So <laughs> that's the worst comparison I've ever heard in my life. No, you no, <laughs> I was comparing need more opposite. 
I wasn't comparing people. Barrios and Bumgarner directly. I was comparing the three wins from one guy to four wins from two guys. I don't think four wins from two guys is that absurd. They are when one of them is Barrios. All right. I I still like it, Dalton. I still like it. I still like it. Okay. I'll round us off. Um, I'm going to bring in a little bit of realism here into this. And it is... I, so I put myself in the shoes of the general manager. That's how I'm thinking about it. I am the Twins general manager, which means I have a boss. And that boss's last name is Polad, which means... Boof, Blackburn, Diamond. I'm oh. going Pavano, Loesch, Blackburn, Diamond, Bonzer. Oh, my God. And then I'm going to use my other... What does that put me at? $8. So I'm going to use my other $7 to overpay a corner outfielder. That's pretty mediocre. And then what I'm going to do Josh is... Take Willingham. The, I was gonna say, Josh, Josh Willingham. Willingham. And what I'm going to do with the rest of it is I'm going to invest it in some safe, long-term money earning options. I'm talking mutual funds. I'm talking dividend paying stocks. Listen, I'm kid. talking corporate bonds. And I'm talking S&P, yep, S&P 500 You need some safe investments leaders. for when there are no fans in the seats all season. Jesus. Exactly. exactly. now, COVID. So, and then I'll say there was no money in the budget <laughs> and not show anyone the books, yeah. baby. Actually, they only gave us $7. So, <laughs> I hope Terry Ryan's listening. He might hire you. Terry might. <laughs> yeah. But well, joke's Terry, on Terry. I'm already employed. Thinking. Back up, Terry. Oh, Terry. Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Back up! Oh, I hate that you did that, Isaiah. But love yeah, that. I, I yeah, too. Love hate it. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, folks, that is so the winner. Is not Isaiah, just huh? for the record. It He's depends most, on what we're ranking it on. If we're though, ranking it on realism, I'm the winner. Yeah, most we're realistic. Ranking it on fantasy land it. projections. I don't know, Connor. I like yours. <laughs> um, but the thing is they all played for the twins so like they were all on a roster so they not all at the same time no not all at the same time but they I mean, also didn't play in the same era so like two thousand realistically there's no realism in this so i hate you okay fair well i you know what i can accept that um that's it for the mini market podcast folks that might be it forever because connor hates me and we'll never do another one again no just kidding that's it for the mini park okay that's it for the mini market podcast folks it's been real it's been fun it has not been that much fun we will be back next week no that was fun okay (laughs) i'll start over for the fifth time back we're done bye And that is a wrap for this week's episode of the Mini Market Podcast. Super excited that we had a full house tonight. It's rare. Uh, it's electric. It's what we want every week. It's what the fans are clamoring for, folks. I know it's the holidays. I'm. These are bad. I should I'll just do this by in. myself. <laughs> All right. Last try and then I'm done. Okay, that's a wrap for this week's episode of the Mini Market Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. We truly appreciate it. Super stoked that we had a full house tonight. Go go Wolves. Go Twins. Go Wild. Go Vikes. Go Wild. Take your shirts off. Honk your horns. (laughs) Get after it, Minnesota. Go Wolves. One take. Beautiful. Thanks for stopping by. Wow. All right, I'm going to do one more when you guys all leave. That was bad, too. (laughs) But I'll put your little things in. They were good. Okay, great. Okay. All right, I'm stopping my recording. Sir, can I talk to you about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? (laughs) I'm just going to do it right now. Okay, that's a wrap for this week's episode of the Mini Market Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Always remember to follow us on Twitter. We've got some good tweets coming out soon. Dalton tweet... uh, Fucking shit. Fingers turn to Twitter fingers. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life. All right, folks, that's a wrap on this week's episode of the Mini Market Podcast. Super excited to have our friend Dalton back in the house. Always remember to follow us on Twitter at Tell Sports. We've got some fun tweets in the 
pipeline. Dalton teased one earlier in the episode. So if you didn't hear about it, hit the rewind button, listen again, put it on play, turn the volume off and just let it run all day, baby. This has been the Mini Market Podcast. We are still Tellem Sports, TellemSports.com. There will be blogs coming tomorrow, potentially by yours truly. Wait, have you guys, did woman. someone repay for woman. our uh, the ripping and the tear. subscription? Because if you go to our website now, it just says namecheap.com. Mm. Quack. Oh, never mind. Now I got to do the whole thing again. <laughs> Here, I'll show you what it looks like. See. We lost the blog. The blog yeah. is done. I thought it was on auto pay. And that's it for this week's episode of the Mini Market Podcast. Thanks so much for stopping by. Always remember to give us a follow on Twitter at Talon Sports. We got some good tweets coming from our dear friend Dalton. He teased it earlier in the episode. If you didn't hear it, hit the rewind button, listen to the episode again. Heck, even just turn the volume down and let it play all day. We appreciate the streams, baby. Tell a friend, tell your family, tell well, the guy on the bus next to you that Tell em Sports is live. It's lit. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Shut it down. It. <laughs> and then we'll put in a go wolves and then we, you know, peace. All right, that was good. All right. I got to go watch the wolves. <laughs>